Welcome, welcome. This is Second Peter. I mean, anchored and devoted, and we're making a mess trying to get ready to actually make the podcast. So that's right. We click record so you could hear some of the joke. You are now in the kitchen with us. Exactly. So we don't know where this is going to show up, but welcome. Um, I just finished reading Second Peter chapter one, five through eight, and Jared just asked me to read the beginning part because five through eight is just so amazing. Um, <clears throat> we were actually looking for First Peter. <laughs> Um, <laughs> First Peter three fifteen. Yeah, three fifteen, and we. It's going to kind of be our jump off point, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, and so it reads out of Second Peter: um, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faithful, a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power, this is verse three, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to own to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promise so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Verse five, this is what got us going and all filled with zeal. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection because it is different than love with love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing, not just <laughs> I got it and I'm done, but are growing. They keep you from being ineffective or mm. unfruitful mm. in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Um, we, wow. Were, <clears throat> we were trying to start off our uh, hope um, podcast, and this is, I'm assuming how we're going to roll into it. Yeah. Um, I was about to do the same thing you're doing. Yeah. Like how we share our faith in a way that is biblical, not that's right. simply based off what we learned in seminary or in Bible study or in a book. YouTube. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm old school. So yeah, definitely YouTube or Facebook, social media. <laughs> I don't even think about those things. But yes, um, how do you share your faith with the understanding that the sharing comes from somewhere and it should be based in your hope. It should be based in the love, the scripture, brotherly affection for another because they bear the image of God. And yet, where do we start? And that's how we kind of ran in the second Peter one verses five through eight, where it's like, okay, before we even talk about hope, there is a reason <laughs> and know that after that reason, this is to supplement our faith which should change the way we live, the virtue, which should affect the way we think, our knowledge, which should affect how long we deal with things when it comes to self-control and steadfastness, which definitely <laughs> impacts our godliness and is seen in our affection toward others, including love. And you just go, that is a mouthful and a smorgasbord and... I'm full what a flow a chart, man. And I, what a flow chart. And I'm, I don't have this in front of me and I'm not looking at the Greek. So I'm going to butcher this, but I'm just going to make a guess here at a couple of these things. Mm -hmm. Number one, like you said, he made this a because of this. 
statement, which means mm-hmm. he's looking back at the because you have become partakers in this faith, because Christ has done these things for you, and because mm-hmm. he has given you these things, therefore, yep. your conduct should be informed by virtue. Okay, so there's conduct, which is behavior, there's virtue, mm-hmm. which is the, the Greek word there might be goodness. I, I don't know. I don't have in front of me. I'm just guessing. He goes on from there and says, okay, so your conduct should be should be labeled here by goodness. Virtue should then be informed by knowledge. So it's not just a sense of goodness, but studying to understand what real truth is so that you're doing this not from a place of feeling, but from a place of saying, no, I know this is good. I can defend that this is good. I can describe why this is good. This isn't simply an, an instinct or an impulse or a leaning, but there's a, a standard here of good that I am aligning myself to. He then moves on from uh, knowledge to steadfast. Why? Because it's not enough to simply say, like you said a moment ago, one and done. But this is now a matter of my walk. It's a matter of enduring in this inconsistency, day in and day out, walking in this way, which then does inform brotherly love, Adelphoi, love for all men, But it goes further than that because it's not just enough to love all men from this sort of humanitarian point of view. We then have to move to agape, which I'm I'm almost positive is that word love there at the end, distinguishing between brotherly love or brotherly affection and love. Agape, this New Testament idea of whole love, perfect love, God-centered, out-of-God-flowing love that then moves to people. Mm. Why? Because this protects your conduct. I'm sorry. This protects your effectiveness. Uh, wow. Your fruitfulness. <laughs> wow. Like this, this, this is a sign that you are in him. You are abiding. And this also shows that <clears throat> you are sharing, that you are um, in communion with others, um, as well as you are being faithful to the power that you've been granted in this new life found in him, that you are now seeking to live a godly life is the outpouring of the hope that you have in Christ. That's right. The faith that we have knowing that verse one, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To know that we are equal with the saints that went before us, that God has seen fit to call us righteous when we know that we're anything but that. And it's not us, but it's him. As you stated, Jer, it's his love, it's his grace, it's his mercy, um, it's his wisdom, it's his knowledge. And I must lean into that with the understanding that fruitfulness is how I share. Um, when it comes to evangelism, um, I'm a hugger. Let me just back up. I'm a hugger and you know this chair. Um, I am a very skilled hugger. I would, I would add. Well, I'm, I'm a person that likes touch. Like that's part of my love language. So, um, when we're hanging out, it's, it's just one of those things where, um, I want to hug to not have a hug at the beginning of the conference before we meet and, or as we're coming together, as well as when we leave, that's part of the greeting as well as the closing. Some people are verbal. So 
they'll say, you know, goodbye, or I love you, or I'll see you later, or let me pray for you. But there's an oral side to it. And other, you know, individuals are words of affirmation. And so there are different things that really allow them to feel connected. God is making this clear when it comes to us connecting with others. It should be like fruit. Mm -hmm. I don't have to force anyone to eat fruit. Typically, like if it's in season and it's good, then people typically gravitate toward Adam and Eve in the garden. Went for the wrong fruit. Tons of other fruit, but (laughs) one of those things where they look good to the eyes, you know, they reached out. I'm challenging us as we talk about the hope that we have for sharing our faith. Our hope should be one that is attractive to others. Yes. Not a distraction, not abusive. It should cause people to say, I want to know your God because your love, that last thing is so genuine, right? The way you absolutely, the way you engage with others, your, your godliness humbles me because you are praying three times a day and your prayers are about others, not about yourself. So I think this is a good point to kind of zoom out Mm -hmm. and give what you started to give a few minutes ago. And let's just say what we're doing today and probably in the, either in the, the Monday episode of next week or in the Friday episode of this week, we're going to be talking about hope in two different ways. We're going to be talking about hope from an apologetics point of view. And we're going to be talking about hope as being distinct from desire or um, uh, desire is the best way to say it. Today, we're talking about hope and apologetics. Uh, and the reason that I wanted to talk about this was is because uh, we joked in a recent episode here about owning the atheists. Um, I joked about that because we were describing how we talk to people who are not believers and how we talk to people who are uh, either hostile to the gospel or have not embraced Christ or, or don't have a place for for God or for Christ in their mm-hmm. structure because of where they are. And there's, there's lots of, um, there's lots of training tools out there and lots of examples of how people engage in evangelism. And one of the ways, uh, sort of by, by way of talking about approaches, there are hard approaches and there are soft approaches to evangelism, right? There's a hard approach where I stand up and I, may have a sign or a placard or something, or I might light my hair on fire and go out in public and wave my finger and say, the end is near. Um, hell's coming. Hell's real. God hates sin. God judges. And, and I'm going to put this in your face and I'm going to um, stand on a truth that certainly scripture does put forward. And I'm going to interact with you in a way that makes you look at this as best I'm able. And make a decision about what you're going to do right now. Either you're going to ignore this or you're going to engage with us. There's then a soft approach. And the softest approach is to say, well, I'm never actually going to talk about Jesus at all, which is, by the way, not an approach. That's uh, avoiding you. an approach. Yeah, you're welcome. You're <laughs> that's welcome. not fruit. <laughs> that's not. And I completely agree with that. But we've got to put it in there because there are people who would view this as a soft approach to the gospel. I'll just, I'll live out the gospel. I'll, no, no, I'll love them. I'll love them to Christ. And their definition of love is a broken one where there's no confrontation. Hey, let me, let me just say this. Oh, if you're trying to love your girlfriend, into marriage and you never say, would you marry me? That's called this soft approach. It doesn't work. That's called shacking up. That's Um, what that's called. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So, but then there's other soft approaches and there's a soft approach that I think lives the more in the, the space that Jesus lived. And now the apostles in the New Testament, when we see them going around, especially when they're working with non-believers, when they're interacting with them, there are times when they put it right there in front. But the majority of the interactions that we see are explanations from Peter or from Paul or from Timothy or from somebody who is saying, this is where I am and this is where I see you and I have something that I think you're missing. That thing is hope. It's not truth. It's not the answer. It's not, um, it's not what we consider to be apologetics. I'm going to defend the faith. And that's, that's kind of the distinction I'm making. When I'm talking about evangelism, I'm not talking about defending the faith against a non-believer. I'm talking about expressing why it is that I have placed my hope in Jesus. What it is that he- Can you tell me, hold on a second, just pause yeah. real quick. What makes it so that people have to defend God? Uh, I had to put my coffee down. <laughs> I think there, at, at a fundamental level, mm -hmm. I think that we in the West, because of, of how we've come out of sort of Greek philosophical thought, mm -hmm. the fact that we've divided between knowledge and experience, mm -hmm. we take an approach to truth that says, well, you have to be, in order for you to gain truth. It's mm -hmm. simply a matter of putting all the right pieces in place, like an algebra problem. If I give you all the right pieces, then clearly you're going to see this and everyone will accept this because we're all after truth anyway. And number one, I don't think that's true. I don't think we're all after true. Okay. I think that we are all after something and that something may differ, but I don't think we are all seeking truth. In fact, scripture says, there are none who seek after righteousness and there are none who seek after truth. When we're, when we strip away what we're actually doing, we're looking to justify ourselves at the mm. end of the day. I'm looking to demonstrate why I'm right and you're wrong. And you therefore should live in my world according to my rules. Okay. I can work with that. So, so when I, when I am trying to defend God, when I feel impelled to defend God against someone, whether this is, a JW or an atheist or a independent Southern fundamentalist Baptist <laughs> with a King James only bent, you know, whatever well, it is. Just lost the King James franchise. <laughs> all, all three. <laughs> stop misbehaving. You know your church is KJV only, so stop. <laughs> we defend God because we are, we're of this assumption that if you had the truth that I have, you would see things the way I do. And so I want to demonstrate to you what you're missing so that you will go, aha, now I see. Thank you so much. And we, we neglect this fundamental truth. It is God who calls. It is God who opens eyes. It is God who opens and softens hearts. Now, is he calling everyone? Is he, is he calling and softening the heart of every person? Well, I, I, I'm not going to answer that directly. What I am going to say is God's grace always affects people. It must have an effect on people. And it's a fact similar to what we see in Pharaoh is it either softens or it hardens. And so as God's grace is being poured out through Christ, through God's goodness and creation, through the work of the church, it is having an effect. 
it's either hardening or it's softening the people that it is reaching. And God is good, so he reaches all with his grace. Now, does that answer the question you asked? Oh, no, it did. And I want to give the scripture in First Peter. We started off looking. Yeah. First um, Peter 3, um, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So notice, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's all one verse. Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile you and your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. If that should be God's will. In chapter three, uh, in this letter, First Peter, we see that suffering for righteousness is something that we have to embrace, being uncomfortable. And when I'm trying to defend God, let's just be honest, I'm often not being uncomfortable. As you stated, I'm trying to justify myself when I've already been made just in him. This isn't about me. This is about God. And this is about the person in front of me having the opportunity to know him. So I must be patient with them just as God's been patient with me and is still working on me. My hope is what they should bump into, not my religion. Not your argument. Bump into my relationship yeah. with God because that's where my hope is and that's where my love is. Um, I, this has been fun. And I, I know we got to cut it short. We're going to jump back in another episode about hope and desire. And I'm sure we're going to play some more with the word. You got anything you want to say, brother? Because of time? No. I mean, we might extend this, like you said, for a third. I don't know. We've just, we've only begun to scratch the surface of this. Um, God has not called us to witness because he needs us to bring arguments and convince people. He's called us because he's given us a gift. And I guess this is the only thing that I want to share to wrap this up. God has called us not to take the posture of soldiers going into battle to do battle against non-believers. He's called us as medics to go and rush with the good news that they can be healed and to pull them off that field for their sake, out of love for them, not to own them on YouTube or demonstrate our higher powers of logical argumentation. If you're doing that, that's not love. That's not of God. I think the scripture makes it clear we're to give a defense to anyone who asks. Not an offense. It says being prepared to make a defense. Defense, not offense, a defense. <laughs> I think you should say that one more time. <laughs> I think you should say that one more time. Really? I mean, when you think about it, it's not offense. Being prepared to make a defense. I'm being attacked and so now i'm giving a response i'm seeking to care for just as you stated jer i'm caring for those that are hurting i'm caring for those that are not accepted in the communities i'm i'm in a mode yes of protection but this is defense yep okay we love you thanks for listening to our foolishness um wash your hands before you leave the kitchen because this was a mess <laughs> Welcome again and thank you for Anchored and Devoted. You can catch us on Gmail. Please send your hate mail to you know recyclebin.org 
and um, we love you much. Bye-bye, and the KJV people. <laughs>